Welcome to episode 156 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in America politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. <laughs> I can't sing. I can't sing. I have a throat chop. <laughs> Tina left me a message two days ago. I was just telling her she she sounds like a I mean, you don't even sound anything. It was like glass was cutting your throat yeah, two days ago. It was horrible. You sound so good. Uh, thank God. But season today, four, season four, season, season four. four. <laughs> oh my god. Isn't that exciting? It's fucking exciting. It's so amazing. It is amazing. <gasps> I mean, I did think we'd be famous by now though. I'll tell well, you that much. I mean, we need your help. Yeah. I mean, what else do you want from us? I know. I was trying to like, put, I was thinking about and like started to like put a reel together, like for, for our season three of like all these moments. And so I was like on our Instagram, I was looking at all those video clips that you put up every week and I was pissing myself laughing. I'm like, this shit is so fucking funny. It's so funny. Oh my God. I mean, it's we quick. need to get in front of the right people. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but yeah. there's maybe somebody out there to, who'd be like, these girls like, are fantastic. Like pay, you know, and put our, our reel somewhere. You know what yeah. I mean? Maybe I we think need you're to right. do that. I, I think, think you're right. That's the one thing we don't do. Like we don't. Yeah. And I think people do We that. need to self-promote the shit. Yeah. Out, the yeah. hell out of ourselves. Yeah. Well, you know, what, what you going to do? What are you going to do? So uh, today's New Year's Eve. We're going to a party tonight. We are. I'm so fucking excited, especially because my hair's pink. It's so and pretty. And it was fading as I washed it. And I washed it last night. And so when I got up this morning, I'm like, oh my God, it's still pink. We're going to be good for New Year's. Like that's all I wanted was pink <laughs> hair on New Year's. Aww. So I'm excited um, for tonight. I'm excited. Aww. I know. So what else? What's the deal? What's the hats? So we both have long stories today. So yes. we're going to do a short upfront. Yeah. I mean, my only upfronts were, I mean, it's old news now. And I was thinking, well, we, maybe we should have done it for our new little, um, what are we calling it? Oh, little headlines. Little headlines. Oh, go go to our Instagram. We did our first little headlines yeah. last week. And yeah. I thought it was a hit. It was a hit. Although we're going to have to figure out Instagram live and how, I, like, well, we both have to make sure that we're in good spots for Wi-Fi because my yes. shit is fucking up. And yes. then- just know that we have time to do it. Because it, it was very little oh. headlines live at the end when Tina goes, my family's coming in. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, time to add little headlines. You know? It was good anyway. It was yeah. time to wrap it up. But I thought I know. that was a it great was, story for a little headline. It was by a the way. great little little headline. And then yeah. I was thinking, well, <laughs> little I, I know. I wanted to do, um, and I should have just texted you because I was thinking of it. And I was like, eh, nah. And I was like, no, wait, this is the stuff I should just ask. And yeah. it could be yes or no. Um, but the, the, the Abbott... Dropping the migrant kids on Christmas Eve. I was like, what? I don't even know that story. Oh, yeah. So Greg Abbott yeah. on Christmas the Eve. Governor of Texas. Sent migrant children and people in front of Kamala Harris's house and left them there in the cold. Like what? shipped them off. To her house? Where? Yes. In D.C.? Yes. Yes. Well, I think it was either D.C. or um, had to be D.C. What in the yeah. fuck are you talking yeah. about? Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? No. What is with these two fucking mm -hmm. dummies? And they're stunts with people. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, you know, uh, nothing, nothing says, you know, Christianity, like dropping children off in the middle of 
Christmas Eve. Let's think about this. Let's think <laughs> I mean, about it's, it. It's, We've it's talked deliberate. about the birth of Jesus, right? You want to talk about the birth right? of Jesus? Some Everybody said no to them, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the story. Yeah. And finally, one person was like, well, you can't come in here, but you can go to that stable in the back with the animals yeah. to give birth to the baby, yeah. right? And it's and Christmas they let, Eve. They, somebody <laughs> let them in. Yeah. So what is that? What is the... Is he trying to make some sort of a... a similar thing here with yeah, the reverse, children but it's the reverse he he did it he got it wrong he got the story wrong yeah he's the opposite of that yeah yeah wow wow yeah i gotta tell you i think that i think that that's the story for me with desantis more than anything really highlights right uh who he is as a human being and, oh and what God. he's capable of doing well, well to make a to for 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 political points in a, yeah. in a, in a situation that, that makes too, no sense that story too that came out of the encrypted emails mm. and the aliases yeah uh, what were they called? oh Clarice his, starling his yeah his commissioners that the the Clarice safety starling. the safety czar who he put in charge of all of that who set up the flights and, yes. and paid all these contractors and was doing everything undercover right um, because if you, again, if that's what you're doing, you're doing so like there's right. shit coming out now that this was all really, really yeah. bad. It was nothing, all really bad. Nothing says honesty and transparency, like using encrypted apps. Yeah. It's really bad. It's so stupid. And, and, and you, <laughs> if, if you, I just don't understand what you're doing in government. Like we said a couple episodes ago, why don't you just stay away from government? Yeah. Because it's not the place for you. You can do all of these really shitty, scary, yeah, just be in corporate horrible America. things in corporate America. Yeah. Stay away from the places where safety czars are supposed to be making sure that, I don't know, restaurants are safe. Right. Uh, food is being uh, inspected. Our what roads else? are safe. Our roads are safe. Schools are safe. Like, I mean, that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're not supposed to be hatching schemes to take vulnerable people who escaped horrible dictators right to come to the country of land of freedom for safety they've come here for safety and hope and you have taken them and tricked them and sent them somewhere else where now they're scared they're going to be sent back to their country and that's another trafficking issue with children i know how dare you you do not represent America. That's not who the fuck we are. I know. It's fucking and, crazy. And, and the thing is, I'm not saying like we don't have an immigration issue. Like, of course we have we an do. immigration issue. Yes. Like, and there needs to be reform and we need to find a way to tackle this. Yeah. But in a humane way. Instead of actually doing the hard Humanely. work of figuring out what is the best, what are the best solutions for this problem? You want to be a dick. And sneak around and transport people when they don't understand what's going on. They don't speak the language and you're tricking them. It's It's fucking insane to me. How the fuck do you sleep at night? I don't know. You motherfuckers. It's so insane. It's weird. It's weird. It's just like downright like that, that someone would even, like you said, hatch a scheme like that. Like who, who sits there and thinks this is a good idea? No, and not one person of these people who are supposed to be these, you know, uber Christian no, people. No, because they've somehow convinced themselves, they've surrounded themselves with yes men who know that their proximity right. to power will keep them in the spotlight right. or keep them high up wherever they are. And that's what's important to them. And They're not in the business of government to actually run of an efficient government that actually is there for the, the people of Florida, which is what their job is to do. What is and best for the I, people of Florida? And I think they like actually believe 
what they tell themselves, and I haven't read the whole article yet, but Mother Jones came out um, with this like expose, and it's a, a woman went undercover mm. into the MAGA world, oh and like God. like up close to like high powerful people, you know, politicians and stuff that kind of follow and believe in that, and sh- and and the clips and things that I were, was reading about it was like they full on believe, yeah, everything, oh, yeah. which is even scarier, yeah. I, I, (laughs) I agree. I mean, I not getting sucked into that group mentality that we talk about all the time. Right. And like to go along with MAGA stuff, just because you feel like you're a part of something. It's January 6th. It's a perfect example of that. You know, people are storming the capital of the United States and doing really insane things when they're in there things that people do in mental institutions right yeah. like they literally lost their minds inside yeah, that they building defecated yeah and like we're, we're calling to, we're calling to, threatening to kill human beings yeah that for some reason i mean i'm not the biggest fan of nancy pelosi but i also don't want to see her dead no. at the hands of some madman no, no, like no no it's no, insane no. these we have a, a voting booth to remove people from power yeah we don't need you to storm any building nobody asked you to do that except donald well, trump yeah, donald trump did <laughs> so it's 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 about uh, feeling like you belong to something that's that maga thing is they will just they will swallow the excuses they'll swallow the the explanations of why something is a thing and and go along with it it's absolutely horrifying Ugh. and i i i i fear for what happens next in this country because i really really believe that desantis will be our next president oh, he is well liked he please. is adored across please. the country he's got money to spare and he is about to wreck florida for oh, the next God. four years like th- what they will do in this oh. next session will really set up his run for president. No, I can't. I, it, I'm waiting for it to happen. And and the fact that that dopey motherfucker walks around and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to run for president. I haven't decided. Oh, please. Fuck off. And was, like Alfredo I, said in our last episode, he's please. strategic to the T. Like this motherfucker yeah. knows. He knows what's happening from here until the election day. Yes. He's got it all set up. He knows what he's doing. Uh, and I'd love to know who he has surrounding him. And if the Democrats could come up with enough money, we need to hire those people to help us. Help us, please. We need some cutthroat <laughs> motherfuckers on our side. Ooh. All right, let's go. All right, because okay. I, we, we have two long stories, okay. and honey. Oh Here God. we go. Okay, All sorry. Right. Today, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you the story of Keith Conway. Keith Conway served as Kinlock, Missouri mayor for 12 years, but when he served himself to Kinlock's money, he lost his Ugh. seat and his freedom. So another scam artist so our story takes place in um kinlock which is sort of near st louis missouri in 2011 mm-hmm. keith conway was elected mayor in 1999 hmm. and i couldn't find much about his background save for like two articles by the riverfront times that both noted that conway was a former r&b singer who had no political experience and he was first elected. Sounds, sounds about right. Let's he, elect him. Yeah. So he was elected, you know, in 98 and, and served his first term beginning in 99. Mm. And apparently he was a right-in candidate who promised to revitalize the town after an airport bought out many of the homes in the community. And from what I read, he seemed really invested in making sure that the community came first. So this was like a really, um, it was a small community, uh, predominantly black community and this airport came in and was good and, and sort of like a lot of people ended up leaving because they bought all of 
right. these houses and lands to expand the airport. Mm. And he really was like kind of fighting against that yeah. and, and all of that. And um, it's really known as Missouri's first all black community wow. um, as well, historically. And unfortunately, in the 80s and 90s, the town fell into decline. And today, most of the residents still live below the poverty line, which makes this story even more yeah, upsetting. Great. Let's steal their money. That yeah. sounds like a good idea. So from January 2009 until March 2011, Conway stole and embezzled funds from the city. So what did he, here our game show, what did he oh. spend the money on? And here we go, here folks. We go. What did he spend the money on? <laughs> so he spent the money on credit card bills, his personal expenses, um, income taxes, electric bills, direct TV, stuff like that. He also spent it on personal travel, um, cruises to the Bahamas for himself and his friends, <laughs> and travel to Las Vegas and for Lottie. I feel like everybody Ooh. comes down to Fort Lottie with yeah, their well, money. I mean, hello. This is where hello. they come. This is where they are. He also uh, put money into a Florida timeshare in Fort Lauderdale as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> he needed that time on the beach. Yeah. Um, and he also had a city residence. So the city was like selling these houses. And supposedly, like, he sold them for, like, a good deal. But one of them, he said he bought, but he didn't. And he just lived in one of them rent-free for, like, years. Oh, my God. Yeah. He told a reporter, he, he like, he's like, no, 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 I bought one of the homes, but not true. So he was there for four years, like, just living there, not paying <sighs> anything. Jesus. So after the indictment, so he gets indicted, um, Conway claimed that this was, quote, money owed to me by the city. Oh. And he felt like because he did all of this extra work and was putting all of this time in yeah. that they owed him all of this. Can you imagine? Oh, I mean, I think every <laughs> single person knows how that feels, oh, right? Yeah. Like we do a lot of volunteer work. I yes. love to fucking get paid for all those yes. hours. But also at it's our jobs, happening. right? Like yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people who go to work and they're like, I should be paid a lot more than this yeah. or my company owes. Like, that seems like, a, I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. But that doesn't mean... That you resort to no. going and taking the money no, yourself. I no, mean, Jesus no, Christ. No. They don't owe you a house, motherfucker. No. <laughs> so when things start heating up for Conway, yeah. instead of accepting his fate and admitting to the charges, he decided instead to try and pay off Kansas City officials to lie for him about the charges that he Ooh. faced. So he's like, hey, guys, do me a solid. This isn't going to go the bad. The cops are going to come. You got to just tell them like none of this is true. And of course they were like, no, yeah. no like, we're, we're going to tell the truth. I almost so, feel like Trump's name should be Conway. Like I just right. feel like you hear Con Ooh. and I'm like, oh, this guy's a bad guy. I like that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's a, he is a con artist, this yeah. guy. So and the other thing that I think is funny is like what kind of person sees like the chips are stacked against you, right? <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go all in. He knows he's going to lose, but like I'm going to roll the dice and yeah. see if other people want to bail me out. Like who does that? Yeah, Well, somebody who thinks that they can get away with shit like yeah. this, you know? Ugh. So the charges were wire fraud, Ooh. federal program funds theft, witness tampering. Ooh. And since all of the charges were federal charges... He faced a lot of jail time. Mm. Uh, potentially, he faced up to 40 years and $750,000 in fines. But wow. we know how the justice system works. Like, you could have 40 years stacked against you and you walk away with not even, you know, a year. The issue in this case is, of course, that he took the money. But from what I read and what, what we just talked about is that this this town was already in dire straits. And he's like, 
taking and taking from a town that doesn't have money to give. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who does that? Yeah. Who does it? This, this is all money that's, you know, going to, like we said, like to the roads, to all the things that go to improve the town. And if you care so much, and he did like a lot of these like beautification projects and he would be out there like pulling weeds and like trying to make the town better. But yet you're taking money that could go into making the town better. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Mm. And one thing I thought I, when I saw this, I was like, oh, so Albert Samaha, who was one of our little muck guests, oh, like yeah. he wrote an article <gasps> about this and I was oh. like reading, um, he wrote it for the Riverfront Times and I was like, oh my God, that's the guy who we had yes. on Little Muck. So oh, I thought right. that was great. He was like one of our first guests. He was one of our first guests. So he reported that Sarah Fenske, who covered the case, she said, quote, Conway's alleged embezzlement is only the latest crisis to confront Kinlock, which is home to one of Missouri's oldest African-American communities. Once a thriving municipality, Kinlock has lost more and more of its land to Lambert St. Louis International Airport. Mm. Between 1990 and 2000, the city lost more than 75% of its population. Wow. It's currently home to fewer than 1,000 residents. Wow, 75%. Yeah. Holy cow. So it's like now this like ghost tiny- town. Yeah, it's a ghost town. It's, it's- it's really a mess. Yeah, it's very And it's sad. right it's right next to Ferguson too. Right. I was gonna yeah. I was thinking about Ferguson. Yeah. So in the end he ends up pleading guilty to one count each of the wire fraud, the federal program funds theft, and the witness tampering. Mm. And according to the River Riverfront Times, in regard to his plea, special agent Dennis Baker said, quote, Mr. Conway finally admitted he stole money from his own community where the city of Kinlock couldn't even afford to pay its its employees. After he was indicted, he lied about the city owing him money to try and cover up his selfish crimes. Wow. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. It's, embar- it's terrible. Are you embarrassed? Are you embarrassed? And it's that you so did gross. This? Like, it's, gr- I mean, it's terrible to steal from any city, but to steal from a city that can't even pay, can't even pay the employees, that can't even really run so properly. fucked up. It's so gross. Yeah, it really is. It's like, it's, it's, it's like lower than low. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So according to the U.S. Attorney's Office press release, Conway was sentenced to 21 months in prison. Mm. So he didn't get the 40 years. That's pretty good, though. You know, which isn't much, right? But he also had to pay $62,429 in restitution back to the city. And Special Agent Dennis Baker also had this to say, uh, quote, this case clearly demonstrates federal law enforcement's commitment to root out public corruption no matter the size of a municipality. Um, And he says, uh, quote, it doesn't matter if the city of Kinlock only has a few hundred residents. They deserve honest public service as much as every... Let me do it again. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter if the city of Kinlock only has a few hundred residents. They deserve honest public service as much as anyone else. Yeah. Which is true. Absolutely. Right? And he probably thought like, no one who's checking on this town. Right? It's already run to the ground. Fucking asshole. Yeah, what a jerk. All right, so some of the aftermath, uh, directly after his indictment, older woman... And Laura Marshall was appointed as interim mayor. When he was bonded out of jail and awaited trial, Conway was banned from City Hall. They're like, you Ooh, can't even come back. Good. And they suspended his pay. Good. Right? Rightfully so. Oh, and the other thing that happened is some of the other aldermen, they ended up facing scrutiny after Conway's arrest because the folks were like, how did you not know this was going on? And they you know, said with like, they were like, we really didn't know this was going on. No one else got in trouble. They all denied knowing anything. And the, the interim mayor, um, and Laura Marshall commented, it's a trust we let go too far. Mm. So they are like, look, we trusted him. Yeah. He was doing this. Like we really didn't know. 
Wow. And of course, he's now barred from ever holding public office. Good. And then some points of interest, when he was bonded out, he was still trying to do things for the community. Like there, there again, I feel like there's this hypocrisy there. He was, um, so in the middle of this, there was going to be this Kinlock Historic District um, that they were going to uh, dedicate a historic museum in the town. And he was out there, again, like pulling weeds, like cleaning up the sidewalk, like planting stuff, like really like working to make everything look beautiful. But meanwhile, you know, he was stealing from them. And another mm. thing I found interesting is that when he was in prison, he ends up getting in trouble again. And so allegedly he falsified employment records. Um, so when he was released to the halfway house, he had to show, and that was in 2013, he had to demonstrate that he had full-time employment. And so instead of gaining full-time employment, oh my God. he presented like false employment documents and fake paycheck stubs. And they busted him for it. And he ended up having to go back in jail for another six months. What is wrong with him? Just go get a just fucking go get a job. job. Yeah. Or just say like, I can't get a job yet or something. Yeah. I don't know. What the fuck's he so, doing all day? Um, the other thing that I thought was like, just kind of sad about the town is um, just the way that it is continuing to dwindle. And, mm. um, and this was a, a couple years ago, I found this article that uh, Kinlock, um, the city hall and the police department had to move to an old, like abandoned elementary school because a former convicted cocaine dealer bought the city hall and like used it as his residence. And so what? they had to move. Yeah. Oh, this poor town. This poor town. This is so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story. That's it. It was a little short and sweet. That's the story of. I thought um, you had a long story no, today. No, I have a little short oh, one. Oh, good. Because mine's super long. Ooh, that uh, was very good. It's very sad. The, the whole town, I mean, more than this fucking asshole, the whole and town like, being way is, is very sad. How does a town recover? Like, how do you have a small town like that? But also being pushed, to, pushed out from this airport is like so yeah. insane to me. But it's it's gentrification, right? right? I mean, it's it's an area that nobody cares about. And right. it should be protected because it is a historical black neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, those things should matter. I mean, less than a thousand people. So it's like, how do you run a school, yeah. like a school system? And, and also, once stuff. you lose 75% of people, the people who are left there, how can they even sell their homes? No one's, no no one's, one's going to buy, buy them yeah. except probably the airport, which is right. how it all started happening in the right. first place. Or, yeah, or some other warehouses or yeah. whoever, or, you know, turning it into something else that it wasn't. And I think um, other articles I read were saying, too, like, that they still had, like, their own, like, fire department and police department, mm. but it was hard to fund that because there's only a 1,000 people in the town. Like, what taxes are you collecting? You know, how much in taxes can yeah, you collect you to make to run any of this stuff? So then what is the next big city that would then... Wow. Be responsible for that area or where, if there are kids, where are they going to school? Like how yeah. far out from the where city they hall live? is now the school where the school was. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And then I think <sighs> how many communities like across the country. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. How often does this happen? Does this happen? Where towns are just disappearing. Just disappeared. Wild. But. Well, right. here, well, here we have neighborhoods like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have um, neighborhoders in, in Hollywood and Dania and Pompano that are historical black neighborhoods that uh, the cities are trying to take over areas or they build yeah. a big mall over there, that one that's in uh, 
Oh, God, I wish um, we could have Emmanuel George on for a third time to yes. talk about the area in Dania in Hollywood where they just built like this humongous shopping center in, in over areas we that were like, more malls. should be preserved. Oh, no, who so goes to up. malls anymore? Uh, you know, Dave and Busters and shit. Like, who gives a fuck? Uh. Hey, this is Grab and Brisket Podcast. Join us every Monday where we talk about the latest trends in barbecue, interviews with world top pit masters, celebrity cooks. Ooh, like uh, Wee Man from Jackass. And musicians. Like Rich O'Toole. So check us out. We do beer reviews, barbecue fails. So many fires. Dude, a lot of people just burn their houses down for no reason. We also talk about cocaine hippos versus meth gators. Learn how to make some tailgate gravy. Altercations with Texas Rangers. People throwing Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah. So check out grabthebrisket.com for podcast info, viral social media posts, and so much more. All right, let's go because this story. Woo! I was yes. gonna do it as my story, my last story, but it is so fucking long, and I hadn't finished it, and so I had to like figure out how to wrap this fucking thing up. But I can't wrap it up; it's just long, and it's gonna be good, and you're okay. gonna love it. Yay! Hey. <laughs> Woo! Here we go. Today, I am covering New Jersey Transportation Commissioner John Sheridan. Okay. Okay. John Sheridan is a senior was a senior partner in the Morristown Law Firm, was a lifelong Republican whose career in New Jersey state government during the 1970s had culminated in his service as transportation commissioner in the cabinet of Governor Thomas Keene from 1982 to 1985. He later served on the transition teams for Republican governors Christine Whitman and Chris Christie. Following their elections, he and his wife Joyce had settled in Skillman, New Jersey, an affluent section of Montgomery Township in Somerset County, a short distance north of Princeton in 1977. Uh, there they raised their four sons, twins Mark and Matt, and then Dan and Jim. Mark himself followed in his father's footsteps, reaching the level of senior partner in the global firm Squire Patton Boggs Law Firm and serving as chief counsel to New Jersey's Republican Party. So, huge muckety muck mucks in the Republican oh, Party wait, in New is Jersey. This, is, this, is this Bridgegate? No. Oh, okay. But did I cover Bridgegate? I think... I think I, I did. Okay, I okay, I did. okay, 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 okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's okay. But huge, like, respected. Yes. I just want to make it clear that they're, like, respected across the aisle. Like, they worked with Democrats. They worked with Republicans. This family, this guy, he's very well-known, very well-liked. Great guy, right? Okay. In 2005, John Sheridan took over as CEO of Cooper University Hospital in Camden. So he's out of politics. Yes. Working as this. Working together with the chairman of the hospital's board, George Norcross, a prominent Democratic leader in South Jersey, he oversaw an expansion of the hospital into what is today called Cooper Health System. Sheridan was a chief, oh, I'm sorry, was also a chair of a Camden nonprofit, Cooper's Ferry Partnership, also called CFP, that owned parcels of land in the city that it attempted to redevelop. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. It doesn't really have a lot to do with this, but it does come in later. Okay. So it's a possible thing that could have happened, but we don't. Okay. okay. So the <laughs> largest uh, area they tried to get was a 17 acre stretch of the city's waterfront called L3 with some existing state owned buildings, which had the potential to become a highly valuable office space in the wake of a state law allowing tax breaks for development in Camden in order to create jobs in the economically distressed city, the state's poorest. In early 2014, a power struggle between Norcross and the CFP leadership, which is uh, Sheridan, over a redevelopment proposal led to the ouster of some of the latter and uh, people on the board of CFP and L3 being sold to private developers closely allied with the Norcross family, an outcome Sheridan had tried to prevent. Uh-oh. Okay. So he's like friendly with this guy Norcross, but he also sees like issues with them owning all this land and it's really could be a problem. And so he's trying to stop it from happening, but okay. 
So by the middle of 2014, he was being pressured to recuse himself from any involvement in the deal over allegations that his role as the CEO of both the hospital and the CFP created a conflict of interest, an allegation his son Mark was says was greatly exaggerated as the hospital had discussed merely renting space at L3, not buying any of it. Okay. So, okay. That's just a little taste of like okay. things that were going on. So here we go. Ooh. Shortly before dawn on September 28th, 2014, local police and firefighters responded to a report of flames at the Sheridan's house on Meadow Run Drive. Smoke was coming from one area of the second floor that turned out to be the master bedroom, which by the way, I just heard is not, we're not supposed to say anymore. I'm so sorry. We're supposed to say primary bedroom. Right. I didn't realize that we're not, master bedroom is a faux pas. Yeah. master. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Primary bedroom. I'm going to say that. Yeah. We're going to woke up this uh, podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> after entering through the unlocked front door, the firefighters went upstairs and easily put out the fire, fueled by gasoline <gasps> that, that had been poured on the floor as an accelerant. Out, also on the floor, the floor, they found the bodies of John <gasps> and Joyce lying face no! up. No! John was pronounced dead at the scene as was Joyce after her body was taken to the University Medical Center of Princeton. The, ca- the can from which the gas had been poured was also nearby, along <gasps> with matches and knives. Oh, no. A heavy wooden armoire, partially consumed by the fire, had fallen across John Sheridan's body, blocking the door and breaking several of his ribs. Oh. His wife had suffered first and second degree burns over many parts of her body. <gasps> there were stab wounds on both bodies. Joy Sheridan's body had 12 stab <gasps> wounds, mostly on her head no. and hands. Police photographer, uh, photographer Barry Jansen described her appearance as mutilated. One that pierced her aorta was found to be the lethal wound. Her death was declared a homicide. John had only five such wounds, mostly on his neck and torso. <gasps> One of the former had pierced his jugular vein and oh. would have eventually been fatal without medical attention. Jeez. Soot was found in his lungs during the autopsy, along with elevated carbon monoxide levels in his blood, <gasps> suggesting he had been alive when the fire started. Wow. The medical examiner deferred oh, listing. Oh, scary. Yeah. The medical examiner deferred listing a cause of death, uh, quote, pending further investigation. So his death, they couldn't Oh, so they yet. know like it's murder, but they don't know. Right. Like what happened, really what happened. Yeah. A week later, a memorial service was held for John and Joyce at Patriots Theater at the Trenton War Memorial. The family was joined by hundreds of mourners, including Governor Chris Christie and his predecessors, Thomas Keene, Christy Whitman, and Democrat Jim Fior- Florio. Uh, I know I'm saying that wrong. Many of the public officials present um, present praised John Sheridan's career and accomplishments. Um, Norcross, his former colleague, said, quote, the city of Camden is a different place because of his vision, end quote. At the time, full details of how the couple had died had not been made public. It was known that they had died in a fire, but shortly before the service, it was the close that the fire had been set, like somebody set this fire. Oh, but no, they don't know about the stabbing. Right. So the investigation. Who would do that? It has to be, if the mom is stabbed like that, it has to be like one of the kids. Don't guess things, Tina. Okay. So (gasps) (laughs) the investigators. We're murderinos. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you're right. Guess. The investigators clashed with the Sheridan family from the morning the bodies were found. Responding firefighters notified Matt Sheridan, who lived at the house with his parents, but was away on a fishing trip on Fisher's Island off the coast of Connecticut, from which he began making his own way home. He, in turn, called his twin brother, Mark, 
who was celebrating his wedding anniversary with his wife at a hotel on New York's Upper East Side, who then drove to the house. When he arrived, he found it surrounded with crime scene tape and was not allowed in. The Sheridans went to the police station for interviews. According to Mark, a couple of hours later, uh, for no reason he could determine, detectives abruptly asked Matt if they could search his car, and he, he consented. They found a small quantity of cocaine in his car. He was also in possession of a digital scale and plastic bags coated with white powder on the inside. What? Police put him under arrest, but did not charge him at the time. I mean, you're like some little rich kid and and you're selling coke on the side. Also, you know that shit's in your car, bro. What are you doing? Like, why? Who has a digital? My parents are dead. Why do you want to search my car? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. But also he's probably scale like, and baggies. Like, what is this? <laughs> well, we always, there's one in every family, Tina. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's okay. true. It's true. Wait, so, but weren't there other brothers too? There was two other brothers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So police put him under arrest, but they didn't charge him at the time. They do. Ch- that's not really going to come up again. They do. They do end up charging him like years later for it. Um, but I don't know. He doesn't do it really a lot of time. It's yeah. not like. Not a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal, yeah. but you know what I mean. In in the grander scheme yes. of the story, it's some residue it's, it comes and some and baggies. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. So on Mark's way there, he picked up his brother Tim and learned that Somerset County prosecutors Jeffrey Soriano was on the scene. Since he did not know Soriano personally, he called Chris Perino, uh, chief counsel to Governor Christie, and later the state's attorney general, who had appointed Soriano. So remember, like Mark They're all connected. Sheridan, yeah. yeah, it's like a big uppity up. He's a, he works at a huge law firm. He's big in the party. Yeah, he knows all the district attorneys everywhere. Wow. Like he's a player. So he's going to start making these calls like, what the fuck is going yeah. on, right? Or who's in charge? Yeah. So Mark knew Perino from his own work as chief counsel to the state's Republican Party. Soriano called Mark. So this is the guy, the the prosecutor who's in charge of the yeah. case. He calls Mark Sheridan and he, as he arrived at the scene and told him that the fire appeared to be arson and that John and Joyce had been fatally stabbed. Oh, my God. The Sheridan boys, all of whom made their way to the scene of the fire that morning, assumed that their parents had been killed by an intruder and that police would be searching for who might have done it. Right. But within a week... Soriano's office made statements reassuring the public that there was no danger of further attacks and said, Uh-oh. quote, we are quite confident that there exists no threat to either the immediate neighborhood or the local community. At a meeting with the brothers, Soriano and an assistant explained how investigators had come to a murder suicide <gasps> as a likely explanation no. for the couple's death. Wait, but where was the knife when they found it in the room? Um, was it near them? Like, I mean, wouldn't he? There was a couple knives in the room. Like, we'll get into the scene, but there was a couple knives in the room. So kitchen he, knives, like from the kitchen. Yeah. So they think he just he stabbed her. They think he did this because it's self inflicted. Oh, it was here. They think it was his oh. neck. It was his neck and his torso. They think he did this. And then he set the in the middle of that. He's setting the fire. Right. It's ridiculous. Or he set the fire and then stabbed himself and laid down next to his wife. Yeah, and then the there and was an armoire on top of him. This is weird. It doesn't, it doesn't make, make any, any sense. No, it makes, makes no zero, sense. Like you've heard nothing about this investigation. It makes no, no sense, right? Yeah, it makes no sense. And the kids were like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> John's body, he told Mark, was had hesitation wounds, commonly found on people committing suicide by cutting themselves. Soriano told Mark that detectives would be looking through the couple's phones, emails, and other records for evidence of extramarital affairs, financial problems, oh, or domestic no. violence that might explain a murder-suicide and which he believed from his experience would turn up. So All hesitation th- wounds, but maybe it's if someone's on him, wouldn't that yeah. show like a hesitation if you're trying to push somebody off of you? Yeah. 
I would think so. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not a forensic person to know the difference. But you between are a murderino and that's I just am. the same. Oh, okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> All the Sheridan brothers found the theory highly doubtful. They knew their parents well and had seen no sign of any issues between them that might lead to such a violent end. I mean, we all know our parents. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, come on. Mark recalled being the only one of them defending the prosecutor. Um Oh, oh, he recalled, yeah, as being, okay, so Mark, who, like, knows the system, yes. knows Soriano through this, and he's like, all right, guys, don't worry, this is not going to turn yes. out that way, just, let's just trust the system, and give them the benefit don't of the doubt. Don't trust the system. And, like, I'm just going to be, he's like, I, you know, he's, like, naive about it all, but he's like, that's all right, they're going to do what's right for the, they're really going to look yeah. into this. No, famous and, last words, you yeah. can never trust the system. Yeah. Never thought, trust the system. This is all going to be okay, <laughs> right? So Montgomery, Montgomery Township police records show only one call to the Sheridan house during the 37 years the couple lived there in response to a fall by Joyce in which she injured her hip. All right, oh. so the police had never been called mm. to this house. <laughs> so this fucking poor lady, she so, hurts her hip. Oh yeah, so that's yeah, a whole thing. So after Soriano suggested they might want to have a second autopsy done privately, since the county medical examiner's office wasn't very good. <gasps> red, red flag, <laughs> red flag. If the if the prosecutor's telling you the state medical examiner's office is yeah. shitty, we're gonna have we're, wow. that's the first thing that you're gonna have a problem, right? Wow. Um, the Sheridans hired Michael Baden, a well-known oh, forem, former yes, forensic pathologist yes, he's who, had, who had been the chief medical examiner for New York City and had hosted HBO's autopsy Ooh. to assist and consult with Deputy State Medical Examiner Eddie uh, Lillavoice. Have you ever seen that show? Yes. It was so creepy. Yeah. This might be Lillavoy. I'll say Lillavoy. Lillavoy. Okay. So he's the state medical examiner. Everybody's yeah, no. telling you get this Baden guy's in not great. Forget it. Forget yeah. it. So they bring Baden in. He's going to know what to do. Yeah. So Baden and Lillavoy agreed that the stab wounds to both bodies had caused were caused by the same knife. They could not determine whether the knife was one of the two recovered at the scene, which were both kitchen knives from the kitchen downstairs. One, in fact, was designed for slicing bread and therefore had a serrate, serrated, serrated blade with a rounded tip, um, features that would not have been the best when you want to stab someone, no. right? It's rounded. It's not going to, yeah. okay. No, that's so weird. they're like, that's not the, the knife. Why is it up there? Like, is this someone right. just like throwing this, right. Like, sh trying to throw people off. Right. It was likelier that it had been a third knife, which had not been found. Okay. Ooh. So there was a knife missing from right. the block of knives, right? There's three knives missing. Two of them are upstairs. One's gone. So someone just throws two knives in there. Or, and or like, these are the knives. Like grab them like, going upstairs. Like I'm going to take these three knives. It's weird. Right. So in addition to take the one big knife, mm, well, what if that breaks? You got, you can't yeah, be running back downstairs. We got people up there. Tina, think like a murderer. I please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's very hard for you. Try to be a murderer. In addition to going through the Sheridan's records, detectives interviewed 180 friends, family, and coworkers. Those efforts turned up nothing suggesting any major issues with either of them that could have prompted the crime. The only sign that either of them had uh, that might have been for some reason was that John was unhappy at his job, right? He's going through all these issues. He's going back and forth with that land deal. Yeah. He wasn't happy with the Norcross and all the bullshit he was trying to pull over there on that land deal. And so according to... Cooper's chief counsel, Gary Cooper is the, is the, um, hospital, uh, their chief counsel, Larry, I'm sorry, Gary Lineski. John was worried about the effect in an upcoming state report on high fat fatality rates at the hospital's cardiac 
cardiac unit a report they expected to be very negative so he was also like okay, they thought maybe but, that was something that was happening but, but to still, stab your wife because of it i yeah. mean that or to die yeah like you want to die and, or or if you are gonna like okay let's end it all like why I don't, would you take her with you yeah or like wouldn't people do like poison or something like why have it yeah. be so violent and, or want it to look like somebody yeah. attacked you and with the violence there's two of them there so that's the other thing. Like if someone's stabbing the wife, like what is the husband doing at that time? You know, how yeah. did that go down? Mm. Cause they weren't in bed, right? They were on the floor. Oh, I don't know. Keep going. Okay. So Lenesky uh, said he had left it at a, as a work issue for the weekend. And one of his last emails, a lengthy response to a question from Norcross. This is what shared in, uh, an email he sent. He sent it to Norcross written the evening before the fire was well composed and lengthy, typical of Sheridan and showing no signs that its author was under emotional distress. The toxicology report on John and Joyce yielded no new information. John's blood had the signs of the heart medication he took and Joyce had a high level of prescription painkillers. Now this was due to the fall that she had occurred, incurred at the house. Um, and, uh, she had worked as a school teacher until 1999 and that she had to stop because she had injured her back and she had multiple surgeries. It's all these things that had oh. happened. So she was on a lot of medication, yeah. which the children were like, yeah, there was enough medication to kill a small animal inside of our mother, yeah. but because she had been in all this pain and she had like, yeah, it was 2014. It's only five years after this, yeah. this, this surgery. And so she, it was ongoing issue, okay. her hips, her back. Okay. Yeah. But again, that has nothing to do with like, why yeah. somebody would kill her yeah um dna from the blood on the knives was tested but did not reveal anything conclusive the amount of collected uh was insufficient to test for anything more than the racial characteristics and gender of the source the blood on them had come back from a white male that's all they knew oh well during the investigation a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> during the investigation the philadelphia i can't believe it's a white man they never do anything wrong i know <laughs> <laughs> There are heroes. <laughs> the, during the investigation, the Philadelphia Inquirer filed a lawsuit seeking disclosure of the case reports and other records related to it. The court sided with the state and kept them sealed. Mm. Okay, so here comes the family. Now they're like coming in going, all right, you motherfuckers, what, don't know what you're on? doing. Yeah. Around the time of Mark Sheridan's meeting with Soriano, he and his brothers were allowed to re-enter the house as the investigation of the scene had concluded four hours after it had begun. Four hours. What? They didn't close four. the scene off? That's it. They investigated and were in the house for four hours That's after they got there and then left. That doesn't sound right either. Yeah. So the brothers Who, go in. What is going on? This is Jersey. Yeah. Well, maybe because it's Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to write down because it's Jersey as a possible Ooh. because it's <laughs> Jersey. Okay. So four hours after it began, right? In the primary bedroom where the fire had been, they found the boys, right? They're in the house now. They found a melted lump of metal next to where their father's body had been found. The boys well, thought it maybe it was the third missing knife, but the metal makeup wasn't consistent with the knives that were in the kitchen. So it's not that, but they're like, what the fuck is this thing? Yeah. Right? Mark Sheridan sent Soriano a lengthy email expressing his frustration with this and other apparent failures of the investigation. The melted uh, metal object was not the only aspect of the crime scene that the Sheridan's believed had not been properly what investigated in the world a month is happening a month after the fire an insurance adjuster inspected the house found a bent fireplace poker in a nearby <gasps> bathroom odd since the house has no upstairs fireplace 
Like, what the fuck is that doing up there? It had been photographed on the day of the fire, but not taken into evidence until the family demanded it be after the adjuster found it. Wow. The brothers theorized that it could have been the cause of John Sheridan's broken ribs instead of the falling armoire. Oh. The day after the poker was found, Mark Sheridan recalled confronting Lee Niles, a county investigator in the front house's front yard. He said, quote, I asked him if he had concluded that the case was a murder-suicide, and he said he had reached no such conclusion. That was a lie. His people made up their minds on day one, end quote. Wow. So they're like, this is what it is. Let's do a cursory bullshit mm-hmm. investigation. Yeah. Close it and be done with it. Meanwhile, there's all this evidence Which, left in the house. The poker is a, I mean. It's a weird the, thing. But then that kind of makes sense because if it is two people, like how are you going to stab one person? You got to take one person down. So maybe with the poker, yes. he, he takes him down down takes kills, down, the, kills wife, the wife and then goes comes, back to him yeah <gasps> but also like this isn't if this is how you solve cases or you do investigating yeah. in, in in new jersey or whatever where you are this is not a typical case these folks these are not are, gonna let shit go yeah these right? are like high powered people it's so fucked up so then they released the investigation report and in, in late march 2015 remember this happened in september 2014 yeah. so like Six months, months later, later yeah. they, they Soriano released his office report on the office's report on the death of John Sheridan. It found no evidence of an intruder and concluded that he and Joyce were the only ones in the house. Instead of being undetermined, his death was now considered a suicide. <gasps> Soriano said detectives had conducted 180 interviews and looked through all the couple's records. It quoted some unnamed witnesses describing John as, quote, disproportionately concerned, genuinely worried, and overly worried about the up- upcoming state report on the cardiac unit's problems. Robbery was ruled out as a motive since nearly $1,000 in cash remained on a nightstand. Jewelry, electronic devices, antiques, prescription drugs that might have been interest to a thief were not taken. The house had uh, not been forcibly entered, nor had neighbors reported any prowlers in the area before or immediately after the fire. DNA from the blood of the knife, Soriano wrote, was consistent with John Sheridan. Well, he also has four sons. Yeah, and he was also stabbed. I mean... Based on the lack of evidence for other theories and the five hesitation wounds, Soriano concluded that the deaths had, as investigators originally believed, been a murder-suicide. His report did not speculate on how the Sheridans came to end their lives that way, whether it had been planned, or the presence of the gas can brought up from the basement to start the fire and the kitchen knives, suggesting that that might have been the case, or the result of a sudden impulse or fight between the couple, or what the motive might have been. So there's nothing that was like, here's why we think, through our investigation, we found this is why he would have killed his wife and then killed himself. Except because he was worried about a report. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense, like, because it would have to be premeditated if you have the gas can up there. Oh, he went through, yeah, and the knives, and the poker. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, because if it was in the spur of the moment, he would have smothered her with a pillow or something. Right. Or beat her maybe yeah. even. If you're that angry that you want to kill someone, aren't yeah. you just going to going to attack them? Yeah. In the one interview he was given about the report, Soriano dismissed the melted piece of metal the brothers found. He said, quote, I don't know what it is. I well, could have, it could have been anything. Um, <laughs> what we tried to do was gather all the relevant evidence. Um, and he, when he was asked about the report's failure to convincing, convincingly identify a motive, he said, I don't know what else was going on, on in his life, end quote. Okay, so there's a lot of criticism, not just from the children, but from other people who know this couple who are like high ranking officials and people in government and like friends that are like 
and prominent folks. On? Yeah. So Mark Sheridan, um, again, the son, who's the lawyer, had been in regular contact with Soriano and was able to review the report in its final drafts before it was made public. He strongly disagreed with its conclusions and expressed that opinion in news coverage. Quote, to be clear, we do not have answers to what happened to our parents. Based on the evidence, neither do the investigators, end quote. Wow. He described the investigation as, quote, pathetic. By 10 a.m., they were out of the house, done, left, concluded what they concluded, and that was it, end quote. Um, he said, quote, I've said to the prosecutor, it's bad enough you're calling my father a murderer, but you're also calling him a moron, as though he weren't smart enough to work this out, end quote. Ooh. <laughs> Which, by the way, I fucking love. Yeah. Right? Like, their dad was, you have to be pretty smart to make it all the way up to the yeah. top of the level of government as a lawyer and yeah. to, to work in those circles. Like, you know, he's right. He's not wrong not about this, but like, yeah. you know, and then not even to give it the care that it deserves when two people are dead. Someone, these kids lost their parents, yeah. both of them in one night. And you're not even going to give it the fucking, uh, the, 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 what the it deserves. Is weird. And the whole thing about that metal that's left there, like it's, how do you know it's relevant or not? Like you haven't done anything with right. it. Right. Okay, so if um, if his father genuinely wanted to kill himself and his wife, Mark said later, he would have planned it in such a way that as to leave no doubt. And um, he said, quote, we will not allow our father to be convicted based on guesswork resulting from an inadequate and incomplete investigation Ooh. simply because he's not here to defend himself, end quote. Mark said, suggesting the family would be suing the Soriano's office. Good. They were not the only voices raised. Quote, the prosecutor's conclusion destroyed their legacy and the good that John and Joyce had done in their oh. lives, said John's brother, Peter, who's a federal judge. Um, quote, they couldn't have done a worse job if they intended to mess up that investigation. They destroyed the crime scene, made it impossible for anybody to to come in later or do any decent forensic work, work said Ed Steyer, first head of the state's division of criminal justice. So they had other people investigating right. the case. Uh, the family did. So here are the, the, the five major issues that the family had with the case. Uh, the knives. The missing kitchen kitchen knife points to a third person being yeah, in the house. Where is the knife right. if he's dead? If he's, where did and it go? And if he did it. Yeah, the Where's DNA the found on the knife had a genetic pattern, but it was revealed later revealed it was a small amount of DNA on the knife handle, not blood. Like, let's also remember there's a son that lives in the house. Like, of course, yeah. on the handle, oh, people cute. are touching the yeah, knives. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your DNA is left on it, right? It wasn't yeah. blood that they found. The poker, what was it doing in the upstairs bathroom? Why would John Sheridan go downstairs to get knives and the poker? It's if weird. an intruder had come in through the unlocked door downstairs, the poker was right by the stairs to the second floor and could have been grabbed. It was never photographed by the police or fingerprinted. Witnesses were not interviewed. Longtime friends of the couple were never interviewed. The last wow. longtime co-worker of John, Mary Kay Roberts, also the last person at work to interact with him before his death, wasn't interviewed. Neighbors on the cul-de-sac where they lived were interview were weren't interviewed about strange cars that they had seen, etc. Like I there was somebody who had seen a car like speeding away from the house a couple days before, and he called the police and nobody came or did anything about it. Huh. There was stairwell blood stains. <gasps> So someone walked down the stairs. Right. John's blood splatters on the walls outside the room and the stairwell were consistent with an attack and cast doubt that the stabbings were confined to the bedroom. Also, if John had stabbed Joyce, he would have had her blood right. on him. He didn't have her blood <gasps> on him. Fingerprints. The police never fingerprinted the doorknobs or windowsills. When asked by a county prosecutor if they had dusted the house's doorknobs and windowsills, they said they had used the flashlight technique 
to search other areas for prints and concluded there were none that could be identifiable as belonging to a specific person. There is no such method of finding fingerprints. (laughs) A detective had not dusted, um, a a detective later alleged it had been made up to avoid having to admit that they had not dusted or searched for any fingerprints in any other way. That's weird. This is weird. Like sh- it's like a sham investigation. Like, what or are like you a doing? cover up. Like is, because he's so high up, did someone high up right. want him killed? Right. And now they're covering everything up? Right. But that's a lot of people to be involved in a cover up. So the other thing is this, the business dealings, right? So Mark had also said that the prosecutors dismissed his suggestion that the L3 or other land deals in Camden CFP and the hospital were involved and might have motivated someone to kill John as something that only happened in the movies. Like it didn't make sense. Like he's like, you know, he started going through his dad's paperwork and he's like, there's a lot of shit here that yeah. was shady as fuck and this could have something Ooh, to do with it's this. Jersey, there's the mom. Right? Ooh. While doing his parents' final taxes of, uh, final year of taxes several months after the fire, Mark found a banker's box full of documents his father had saved, many of which had not been previously aware of despite having been consulted by his father on the ethical issues involved earlier in 2014. Ooh. So his dad was talking to him as like, you know, what do you think about this? Is this yeah. something that I could be in trouble for? And like kept all this paperwork, stuff that Mark had never seen before. Wow. And it appeared to him that his father was concerned that the developer favored by CFP for the L3 purchase had been muscled out of the project by the Norcrosses and forced to sell their rights to the tax credit Uh-oh. for a minimal amount to developers aligned with the Norcrosses. He gave copies to both the county prosecutor's office and the state attorney general, but never heard what, if any, Ooh. action was going to be taken wow and Baden the uh uh, examiner the examiner that they hired believed it was likely that both Sheridans were victims of a homicide perhaps by someone who intended to kill them both or a burglar had caught them like unaware he said quote if it's a murder suicide it's very unusual murder suicide he said that the evidence was not strong enough to call the case a homicide instead advocating for to be changed to undetermined wow right okay so then this whole thing comes out about the medical examiner's office. And remember when he's like, yeah. you might want to hire somebody else because it's a fucking mess over there, right? <laughs> so then- Why don't they clean it up? Basically what happens is this case kind of shines a light on the fact that the the medical examiner's office in New Jersey has been a mess for a very long time. Wow. And I just think about these families who aren't prominent. Oh my God. Who don't get to actually start looking into right. these cases and whose families they'll- maybe had false uh, final investigations oh or who knows God. what because this, is an office, this office is such a fucking mess. So Mark also connected his parents' case to the general problems of New Jersey's medical examiner system. He said, quote, it's a disaster and embarrassment. MEs should not be under the attorney general or law enforcement. They should not be agents of the state. They should be independent, which they weren't. Some of the state's former chief medical examiners agreed with him. At the time of John and Joyce's death, the position of chief medical examiner, in fact, had been vacant for six years <gasps> without an acting chief. What? Victor, so who's in charge? Victor Whedon, the previous chief, had resigned in 2009, telling Governor John Corzine that he had found the experience, quote, disappointing and lacking the statutorily required oversight <gasps> from the attorney general and the state's division of criminal justice. Wow. A new chief ex- uh, medical examiner, Andrew Falzone, was appointed by Governor Christie in June 2015. Problems with the system were worse at lower levels in ways that may have directly affected the Sheridan case. So what they're saying is like, like, like a county level medical yeah. examiner's office. The Northern Regional Medical Examiner's Office under Eddie L- Lillavoy, this 
where this guy worked, yeah. uh, had failed to achieve reaccreditation by the National Medica- Medi- Association of Medical Examiners in 2012. So two years wow. before John Sheridan and his wife were killed. So it's a mess. Among the, filing, the failings noted, one of the most serious was that the toxicology lab, which served the entire state, had let its accreditation go by the College of American <gasps> Pathologists, lapsed in 2009 and was not then listed as certified to conduct testing by the American <gasps> Board of Forensic Tox- Toxicology. So how does that even hold in any yeah. courtroom? Yeah. Wow. Lillavoy himself was not board certified in forensic <gasps> pathology, although he had been performing autopsies since 1997. Now, let me tell you something. I'm going to give a little sidebar because I put in here parentheses New York case. This guy, Lillavoy, was fired from the New York, New York City's um, forensics office because there was a case there that he determined was a little, a bit, a little child had died and had been... Um, had died from a, a, a four, a, 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 something happened. Something like hit the baby force. in the head. Okay. Right. So he determines the baby's, uh, was, was killed by, was a homicide, right? Oh. Blood force trauma. Yeah. The father gets accused. There's no, there's, but there's no, they can't bring a case against them because there's no proof. The, they, the parents get divorced because his father's been accused of killing this, this kid. All this stuff happens. A few months later, Lillavoy after reviewing the case again, changes it to like a fall, like an accidental <gasps> death or something, and never tells anybody. <gasps> never tells anybody. What? So when so they start reviewing some of these cases, and this comes out that this thing has changed. The parents had no idea. The police had no idea. Meanwhile, this family is fucking devastated. They've been divorced. Oh like God. the father was accused. Like imagine being accused of killing your kid, oh, no. and you didn't do it. And this comes out, then you find out later that it wasn't, it was. Oh my God. <laughs> so this guy's a major fucking what piece of shit. jerk. Yeah, like major piece of oh shit. Oh my God. So what does he do? He, he gets fired and ends up in New Jersey <laughs> where now he's over there performing autopsies. And, and Oh my God. How does he get hired? Who vetted yeah. this guy? Well, who's, yeah, no there's nobody there. in charge. Yeah. <laughs> so... Because of the vacant state um, medical examiner position, no one supervised the Lavoie's autopsy of John Sheridan. In later comments on the case, Whedon says it would not have mattered even if there had been a chief medical examiner since the state medical examiner has no statutory or regulatory oversight authority over county or regional medical examiners who are appointed by county government. So there's nobody looking at it anyway. Sheridan also faulted Lavoie's lack of independence from the prosecutor's office, which means that the state attorney and the police have authority over the medical examiner's office, which means if they say to him, come on, man, yeah. you know, come on, help us out. It's a it, murder-suicide. And then that's it. That's right. it. It's a murder-suicide. He wow. noted in a letter to John J. Hoffman that the state attorney, the state's acting attorney, who was then the state act, um, state's acting attorney general, Mark Sheridan wrote a letter to him that Lillavoy had met with Soriano three times before the prosecutor issued his final report wow. and did not issue it his pathology uh, finding until it had just before the report was published. According to Sheridan, the county prosecutor held those meetings to convince Lillavoy to rule the case a murder-suicide. Whedon says New Jersey's medical examiners need to be under the jurisdiction of an independent office, not wow. under law enforcement's jurisdiction. While law enforcement and medical examiners do, do need to be able to communicate and coordinate their efforts, the latter should be under the jurisdiction of a state's health uh, dep- department to remain independent. Wow. Okay. So, God, this case is so good, but I love it. Okay. So then there's a whistleblower. (gasps) 
<laughs> in December 2014, um, Mark and his brothers had sent Baden. So this is three months after their parents died. Uh, Mark and his brothers had sent Baden's affidavit to the state and a chief medical examiner asking for their that their father's cause of death be recorded as undetermined. Okay. They received no reply. And over the next few months, let the state know that if John Sheridan was officially ruled to have taken his own life, they would file a lawsuit. Wow. After Soriano's report was released, they did that. They said, fuck you, right? Good. The state's initial response was to move that the suit be dismissed for lack of standing. Quote, no legal basis exists to compel a medical examiner to change his opinion about the manner of death. End quote. The attorney's general uh, office wrote in response. A three-judge panel ruled that the case should be filed against the medical examiner's (gasps) office. Ooh. Yeah. So the brothers are like winning, right? Yeah. While the suit was pending, two other developments occurred in early 2016 that supported the Sheridan's case. In February, a group of 200 prominent state residents, including three former governors, two former attorneys general, a former justice of the state Supreme Court, and many lawyers signed an open letter, I got goosebumps, asking the medical examiner to change the finding. Wow. That's a lot of pressure. And again, I say... What about the families who aren't the Sheridans? I know. Who can't get attorneys and governors to sign these letters. And have things changed. Yeah. Then, three months later, a Somerset County detective filed a whistleblower lawsuit claiming that, quote, it was common knowledge among detectives assigned to the forensic unit that the Sheridan evidence was improperly collected, improperly preserved, and subsequently destroyed. And that they have been retaliated against for complaining about this. So, specifically... They destroyed the evidence? Yep. (gasps) Specifically, Jeffrey Scoza fava's suit against the um the county said quote the officers running the process or claimed this alleged this the officers running the prosecutor's forensic unit had little or no experience in the area of police work large pieces of charred bedding from the sheridan's bedroom were left lying on the floor of the truck that had brought them into the lab for months then stored in an open bag in the fingerprint lab come on lee niles his supervisor frequently handled evidence ungloved at crime scenes (laughs) Blood collection swabs were not packaged properly after being taken. Evidence envelopes were not properly taped shut. And that Niles told the prosecutors that the officers had searched fingerprints using a non-existent flashlight technique, which Gozafava's uh, characterized as an excuse for not having done it at all. When he pointed wow. out these failures out to his superiors, a detective said he was reassigned to a unit f- dealing with fugitives, a less prestigious position. So get rid of him. Yeah, he but later, he's still working. Yeah. He later claimed to have seen Niles throwing um, the improperly collected and stored evidence into the garbage in 2015. Aren't they supposed to keep evidence for yes. like a certain number of years yes. or something? Yes, you have to tag it and number it. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. I mean, this is 2015. This is not like the 1970s. I know. But nobody's, right? If, if nobody's watching and nobody's paying attention, oh why wouldn't God. they just throw it out? I would be out? so upset. Because there's all, the, all this potential evidence that could point to who did it, and isn't it worse to be to come out later that you did that you did all these things instead of just going, "Oops, here's the evidence." Yeah, here's the evidence. Let's you know what? It out. Maybe we should try to reinvestigate this. What? Maybe we ego. should it's, do the it's right that thing. Ego again? Yeah. Like they instead just, of just get, you're not going to get in trouble. Just do the right thing. You know? Is, yeah. No, this is 100 percent worse. So, um, 
Scoza Fava's suit was dismissed after an oral, oral argument, and the county had argued that the claim was really motiva- motivated by his demotion and that he was still working for the office. Scoza Fava's lawyer said his client had planned to appeal. Instead, he settled for $175,000 and a signed non-disclosure agreement that prevented him from talking about any of the cases he alleged was there was misconduct. <laughs> In January 2017, the Sheridans prevailed. State medical examiner Andrew Falzone, after reviewing the evidence, changed the manner of John Sheridan's death from suicide to undetermined. Uh. While Falzone still said he believed the wounds were self-inflicted, he said, quote, no weapon was recovered from the scene that could be conclusively associated with the wounds sustained by Mr. Sheridan, end quote, which is what Baden had said, right? Like he said the same thing. Like we can't really, we don't know yet because we're missing this key piece of evidence. I mean, that's the thing. Like where would the knife be? Yeah. And then what was that metal though? Was that the knife? Yeah, what was that metal? It was not because it wasn't consistent with the other knives, which would have been in the same material. The damage to the scene caused by the fire further compounded the difficulty of reconstructing events that night, which is the point, right? right? Right. To burn everything. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Mark Sheridan said that while the, the family felt vindicated by the charge, uh, he said, quote, we have a long way yet to go, end quote. They called because we don't know who did right. this, right? So they called for the case to be reopened and reinvestigated. Okay. Then. This what? Is, this is the There's final more? twist. And it's so fucking insane. Are you ready? <gasps> I am. This is murder Reno shit. Okay. Bitch. Yes. <laughs> In early 2022. Oh. Political consultant Sean Cattle uh, pleaded guilty to murder in a Hudson County court. He had not committed the crime himself, but paid two men to kill Michael Galdieri, son of late state of Senator James Anthony Galdieri, in his Jersey City apartment in May 2014, just four months before the Sheridans were killed. After stabbing Galdieri, the killer set fire to conceal the evidence. <gasps> Mark Sheridan was struck by the similarities with his parents' deaths. They too had been stabbed in a fire set at the crime scene. In a letter, so he sees this thing come up and he's like, what? This sounds really familiar. In a letter sent to both the Somerset County Prosecutor's Office and the state's acting attorney general, Matt Platkin, he called the two cases eerily similar. He reminded them how investigators in both offices had, quote, openly mocked the idea for high, for of a killing for hire involving a stabbing with a fire set to destroy evidence, end quote. More than the, because like, yeah, here we are. Here's, you guys said that we were crazy to say this would right. happen and, and it literally here, here. happened over here. Wow. So, and it's a few months before my parents. So it's possible, yeah. right? More than the criminal's modus operandi might connect the two cases, Mark argued. The issue of the possibility, the possibly missing knife might be involved. He recalled in the letter how investigators had several times asked him and his brothers about a knife missing from the block in his parents' kitchen. It might, he suggested, have been found. (gasps) The day after his parents' death, Mark wrote police wrote mark wrote police investigating a bank robbery in trumbull connecticut had found a quote long bladed butcher knife end quote in a pickup truck belonging to one of the suspects george brat bratsenis okay so mark is like hyper vigilant now right, right. like his parents die he's, he's now like fuck, yeah he's yeah. looking at everything that's happening and he sees that this 
this guy was arrested, a bank robber, and there's a knife in this guy's bag. And he's like, yo, it happened right after. Right. He's in Connecticut. It it's not my, far could, from where yeah. we are. It, it could, could be. be. Mark urged uh, investigators to work with Connecticut authorities to find the knife and test it for a, for the, any DNA evidence that might link to his parents' death. And they they don't do it. Brat, uh, Brat Senes was later identified by both Cattle and Bomini Africa, which is the guy that he was a former cellmate of Bratness's, who also pleaded guilty to murdering Galdieri <gasps> as the other hired killer in the case. Okay. She was, did you see what? Yeah. Okay. So they're connected. They're connected. Like the Cattle, cattle had yes. hired this guy, Bratton. And the other guy hire. worked with him. Yeah. A career criminal with connections to organized crime who was once uh, was a part of a ring that had set fires to cover its burglaries of jewelry stores, Brad Census pleaded guilty to Galdieri's murder himself in March 2022. So he he committed yeah. that murder. At the hearing, it was revealed that he had agreed to plea um, the preceding the preceding August. The FBI had taken over the Galdieri case for reasons that have not been disclosed. At Cattle's plea hearing, his lawyer, Edwin Jacobs, who has, was defending many clients in the high-profile case, cases, including some organized crime figures, told the court that his client had been cooperating with the government. He declined to be specific, saying, quote, I will simply leave it at this. As recently as today, he has been working, collaborating with the FBI and developing an important investigation, end quote. So maybe cattle could face a life sentence, but according to the plea agreement, federal prosecutors were prepared to recommend a sentence from 12 and a half to 25 years. If he satisfies his terms, political insiders in the state believe the case has the potential to become New Jersey's next major public corruption scandal. Neither office uh, responded to Mark's letters, but at the end of May, Platkin's office uh, announced it was reopening the investigation. Wow. Beyond that, Mark was skeptical that any new evidence could be found, but was grateful for the possibility. So, so, so do you think he's like making a deal saying, hey, let, I'll tell you about this other murder. Yeah. And get me some, like it's shaved some time off my sentence. Yeah. <gasps> and he's got the knife. He's got a knife. Wow. Why aren't they little, testing this knife already? Maybe they are. Like this is all like just Ooh, now. Wow. Is this great? Oh, <gasps> I would love that. But oh. then why? But also uh, but I looked at this guy, to do with this guy, George uh, Brett Senses, Senes, he's 73 years old. 73. What is he doing? Well, he's like a, I went and looked him up. Like I started reading about him. He's like, obviously he's an old man now. And he, he would have been an old man in 2014 yeah. when he committed, if he committed this he's crime. Like a, 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 but he's a, like an old school, like mafia hit, a, hit guy. Yeah, He's like a Bobby Bacala, yeah. uh, Bacala's dad. dad. That's exactly what he's like. <laughs> like with the emphysema. Yeah, that's what he's like. He like went to, he was, he grew up in New York and he went over to, out to war when he came back from war. Wow. He started to do like little wow. crimes for the mafia and doing like little jobs for them and started doing hits. He's been in and out of that jail, but he's still it. doing that it. That has to be it. There's no other, that it makes sense. It's the same sort of yeah. crime. It's a political killing. Yeah. F- stabbing. All fire. He's got Ooh. a knife on him. So good. Ooh. That was the best story to start the year. I'm so excited. A little Jersey, a little mafia. A little Jersey, a little little Jersey. A little Jersey, a little mafia, a little murder, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we do. That's how we do over here. I love it. Oh, my God, (gasps) Tina. Happy season four. (laughs) Yeah. And happy new year. Happy new year. We're going to have such a good day and a good night. I'm excited. Me too. I mean, I was just saying this to our executive producer, Alfredo. We always have drinks on Christmas Eve, Eve. Aww. We have drinks. And he, I said to him, I, you know, I mean, 
when I don't have my children, believe me, I'm like, I feel like I don't have a purpose when they're not yeah. here. Aww. When they're here, it feels like my heart is full. Like it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yes. You can imagine yeah. that it's weird. Like, yeah. you know, I get to, but, but I'm busy. Like when yes. they're not here, I'm like, what am I going to do? Because I can't sit here without yeah. the kids <laughs> here. And I like go roller skating or whatever. Yeah. But like, I try to keep my day full. But I told him, thinking about going to this party tonight and all of the amazing people that we have in our lives. We, I'm so fucking grateful oh, for this group of friends and like, it's so lovely the time we get to spend together and that I'm not this like, you know, staying in my house hermit. I'm trying to stay busy, but I'm so lucky to have so many amazing people in my I life. Know. It's really lovely and fun. Like it's so fun. <gasps> yeah. Right. Yes. Oh God. I love every second of it. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> if you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please go to our website, www.themuckpodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on our Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support with exclusive content, muckraker, policy wonk, or bleeding heart. We can't do this without you.